These are my notes. I typed them, as I do all my notes. Pretty much everything I type. When I typed them, my hands were poised over the home row perfectly, and my, my palms were not resting on, on the space bar because I know better than that, because Peggy Decker taught me that. I once told Peggy that out of all of my teachers, she is the one, the one who taught me something that I use every day. Take that, algebra. I actually use typing every day. And I told her that I was scared to death that I was not going to pass typing. Because try as I may, I could not get, I think it was 32 words per minute we had to go to. I could not do it. And she winked and looked at me and said, everyone passes typing. Over the course of the past week, I've gotten to spend a lot of time with the kids. And I've known them for years, but I can say over the course of the past week, I know them better. I know well enough that I can tell you which one's Mark and which one's Mike with like 98% certainty. I have to tell you, I've seen, a, I've seen in this family a depth of faith that is amazing. They have faced adversity with hope. They have a deep trust in God that gives them a spiritual certainty in facing the big questions of life. Where did they learn that? I think we all know the answer. There's a passage in 2 Timothy that I haven't been able to shake from my mind or my heart for the last week. I, I felt like I was witnessing the truth of this passage being lived out in front of me as I talked with the family. Paul writes to his friend Timothy. Timothy was a co-worker of Paul's. He was someone who had learned from Paul. He was one of Paul's students. But Paul saw something in Timothy beyond just his own faith. Paul saw a heritage of faith that had been passed down through his family. And so when he greets Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, Paul writes, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelled first in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Paul said of Timothy, I thank God when I'm reminded of you. That's a wonderful thing to say about someone and it wasn't just about Timothy. He says there in verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. We have a phrase that we use every now and then when we speak of someone who, who resembles uh, one of their elders. We say that person is the spitting image, right? It's a horrible phrase, spitting image. Where did we come up with that? But it's a, it's a derivation. It's a southern derivation. Probably Clay County and stuff. Uh, it's a southern derivation of the term spirit and image. 
And it doesn't just mean that that person physically resembles their elder. It means that in their spirit, in their manner, in their conduct, in their character, they carry the same character as that, as that person. Paul saw the spitting image of Timothy's grandmother and mother in him. What have we seen in Peggy? And what do we see in those that knew her, knew her well? You know, one of the things I, I think about when I think of Peggy is we saw her humility. And it's obvious from this text that Paul knew Timothy's family very well. He calls his, his grandmother and his mother, he calls them both by name. He knew them very well. But beyond their names, he knew their character. He knew what people they were. And we find at the heart of that the, the true definition of what humility is. It's someone who is very open and honest about exactly who they are. Back in the old building, just about every Sunday I would stand at the door and greet people as they came in, and, and Bob and Peggy would walk up the steps. And, and while I would greet other people, uh, when it came time for greeting Bob and Peggy, I would say, Mr. Decker, Mrs. Decker. Then one day, Peggy finally stopped me and she said, it's Peggy. And it took a while, but I finally gave in and I called her Peggy. The Sunday before last, she walked in the door and I said, Peg, oh my heart. She rolled her eyes at me. She did that a lot. But for me and for others who grew, her, who grew up knowing her as a teacher, that there was a respect that we had for her and, and for Bob. But she just wanted to be Peggy. And that's who she was. There was nothing false, no pretension. She was just Peggy. And what you saw was what you got. That's what she put into her life. That's what she put into her work. Peggy was a teacher. And she was an incredibly competent teacher. And yet there was humility there. One of, one of my favorite memories of the last couple of years, every now and then I fill in at a nursing home up in Crispin. I'll, I'll do a Bible study with the people up there. They use the same material that Peggy used in teaching her class, the, the standard lesson material. And so I would call Peggy up and ask if I could borrow notes, <laughs> you know, cheat a little bit. And I'd go over and, and she would show me her notes. And, and the standard material, there's a lot of material there, but she had little notes written in the margins where she had done the research and she had worked on this. And every morning she got up and worked on her lessons. And, and she would always say, well, it's not much. <laughs> but it was so much. It was so useful. It was very helpful. And she did great research. It was Peggy. That was part of her humility. We also saw her sincerity. Paul refers to the faith that Timothy inherited from his mother and grandmother as a sincere faith. It's a genuine faith. It's, it's the real deal. And, and that was Peggy too, wasn't it? She was the real deal. That sincerity of faith wasn't something that she simply believed or talked about. It was something that she lived out in the way that she cared for others, the way that she cared for her neighbors, the way that she cared for her family and her church, the way she served. There's no way I could begin to cover the way that Peggy served in this church here at Kansas Christian Church. There were so many. When when her Sunday school class needed a new teacher, Peggy stepped up to teach. It wasn't something she wanted to do, but she said someone needs to do it, and, and she stepped in and, and taught. That was, her, that was her attitude. If something needed to be done, Peggy would do it. Last year, we had missionaries here at the church. A, a, a couple, the husband was from Syria, the wife was from Iraq, and Peggy stepped in and hosted them in her house. And she was a little overwhelmed by it. It was a little nerve-wracking for her, but she said 
there's no reason I can't do that. And she stepped in and did that. And that was just something that was unique and inspiring about Peggy. Honestly, at an age when a lot of people think, I've done enough. An age when a lot of people say, it's someone else's turn. Peggy didn't do that. She kept on serving. She opened her home up every other, every other Wednesday night to a group of us that would come to her house for house church. And she said she did it because someone needed to do it and it might as well be her. That's something I'm really going to miss. And that's something that this community, this church is going to miss. And honestly, it's something where some of, the, some of us are going to need to step up and say, someone has to do it. It might as well be me. We need to fill that role. We saw her humility. We saw her sincerity. And it lives on in her legacy. Peggy would hate that I use the word legacy to talk about her. But that's exactly what we have here. Not just in this family, but in this church and in this community. The influence of a woman with sincere faith. And that influence did not die with her. It lives on in what we've seen and what we've learned. And it's and what we carry on from her faith. I asked some of the grandkids what they had learned from Grandma. I got a lot of replies because I learned I learned typing from Grandma. I, I learned I learned how to balance a checkbook. In theory, I, I learned how to balance a checkbook. I learned how I should balance a checkbook. I guess is what I said. But they learned other lessons from her and other lessons that they will use every day. Julia said she taught her how to knit. And Grandma had actually forgotten how to knit. And so Peggy, being Peggy, she was not afraid to learn or relearn. And she went on the internet and relearned how to knit so that she could teach Julia <laughs> how to knit. Becca, of course I mean Becca Lizzie, uh, Becca said what she appreciated about Grandma was when, when she asked you a question she really wanted an answer, and she would wait for you to answer. She said she was strong, and she was very focused. Adrian said she remembers jigsaw puzzles and the jumble in the news, doing the jumble in the newspaper. There was amazing consistency in some of these thoughts. Jason, Tim, and Daniel all said that she was a vicious marble player. She loved to play marbles, and uh, she was kind of vicious about that. She would get down on the floor with the kids and play marbles, and just because you were a kid, she was not going to go easy on you. She was not going to let you win because Grandma did not like losing. Jason and Anthony said that when they, they liked staying over with Grandma because they would wake up early, and she would let them get in bed with, with her. Uh, she would let them kind of spend a little time with her. Andrew and Jay both said that she was a great cook, obviously. I mean, we, we swapped stories about food last night with, and Peggy's food. She was a great cook. Round steak, and, and the comment I loved was she made amazing broccoli. I, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone refer to broccoli as amazing before, but she made amazing broccoli. That had to be some special broccoli. What struck me about all the comments... Was, and what was connected to all of them was just how much she valued you. That she would get down on the floor and play. That she would make you an important part of her life. That she would welcome you there. And that just showed me what a, how much she valued you. Paul had seen the character of Timothy's love 
was. He had seen the character of Timothy's mother Eunice, and now what he saw in them, uh, he also saw in Timothy. And his advice to Timothy was, fan to flames, fan to flames that gift that you've received. The legacy of faith would not end with his grandmother, it wouldn't end with his mother, and it wouldn't end with him either. But it would live on as he lived his life with what he had learned from them. And you see, Peggy's legacy isn't really about Peggy. It's about you. It's about us. It's about this family. It's about this community and this church. It's about what we've seen in her and how it's impacted us and how we can carry that on in our lives and pass it on to others. And so I'd remind you of what Paul tells Timothy here in verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Power, love, and self-control. Those were modeled for you. You were nurtured by those gifts. You were brought up with them. You were blessed by them. And now it's our turn to carry on the character that we observed in Peggy. So a whole new generation can receive those blessings. The comment's been made more than once over the last few days. If anyone's going to heaven, it's Peggy Decker. And that's a wonderful thing to say. It speaks highly of her character. It speaks highly of, of her faith and devotion. But the fact is, as wonderful a person as Peggy was, as sincere as her faith was, as humble as she could be, she still needed a cross. She still needed a Savior to die for her sins, to open the doors to heaven. She still needed a way, the truth, and the life. And she found her hope not in her own goodness, the good things that she could do. She found her hope in the gift of God. So I want to close with Paul's words to Timothy here. Because in so much of these words that he continues on with, we see the Gospel. and We see the faith that Peggy devoted her life to. Paul goes on, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner, but share in suffering for the Gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you.